Today, I want to give you two keys to living a blessed life. Uh, Number one, we're going to start with is obedience. Obedience. And that's maybe not a popular idea in this culture where, you know, do what makes you happy is the norm. Um, This do what makes you happy philosophy has become so widely accepted that, you know, it's just everywhere you look. I mean, it's just what people live by. And even it's even it even slowly creeps into the church. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, literally, because I found this back in the uh, back building. Listen to your heart. Sounds so good, right? Until you remember the verse that says the human heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And who can know how evil it is, you know. But, uh, you know, do what makes you happy. It's the norm, right? It's uh, it's 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 just it's kind of. This obedience thing may not be real popular. Why is obedience so important? The Bible tells us in more than one place that God delights in our obedience. First uh, Samuel 15, chapter 22. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And then again in Micah 6, it says, what offering should I bring when I bow down to worship the Lord Most High? Should I try to please Him by sacrificing calves a year old? Will thousands of sheep or rivers of olive oil make God satisfied with me? Should I sacrifice to the Lord my firstborn child? I'm sorry, Mallory. As payment for my terrible sins. The Lord God has told us what is right and what He demands. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. And then again in Proverbs 21, the Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. Obedience is more important to God than any sacrifice we might bring him. More than anything we might give up for him. You know, we're in a fast, you know, more than more than giving up social media or TV or food or even Dr. Pepper. Pastor's not here for me to rib him, but it's more important than all the things we might give up, more than sacrificing, sacrificing our money, our time, our energy, even more important than serving on the dream team here at church. You know, I read something in one of my devotionals this week, and it hit me pretty hard. It said, beware, and I'll put it up on the screen for you so you can follow along. It says, beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. The greatest competitor, listen, The greatest competitor of true devotion to Jesus is the service we do for him. It's easier to serve than to completely pour out our lives for him. Are we more devoted to service than we are to Jesus Christ himself? Ouch. Ouch. That can be, man, we have to watch it. So obedience is more important. So what is it about obedience? Is it all about just following rules just for rules sake? Well, we can find an answer to that here In Jeremiah chapter 7, let's look at it. It says, when I freed your ancestors from slavery in Egypt, burnt offerings and sacrifices were not something I required of them. I wanted them to trust me and obey obey my voice. In those early days, I told them, I will be your God and you will be my people. Follow me every step of the way into a life that is good. You see, God really just wants what's best for us. He wants a good life for us. And, you know, he knows that if we do life his way, that good things happen. Matter of fact, in John 10, 10, it says a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. But I came so they can have real and eternal life. 
a more and a better life than they ever dreamed of. You know, when we're obedient, we're choosing God's best. I'm going to say that again. When we're obedient, we're choosing God's best. And God knows that, and that's why, that's why he set it up that way, that he wants us to obey so that he can do what's best in our lives. Excuse me. Been fighting a cold this week. You're going to have to excuse me for a second. So, we're choosing God's best. Obedience is more important than sacrifice. Obedience is also more important than understanding. You know, we don't always understand what God is telling us to do. Back 16 some odd years ago, um, I had a really good job in the plants. Um, it was paying good money, had good benefits. It was a permanent direct job. Uh, Wendy's sister was about to have a baby, and so she was going to be an aunt. We are excited about all this stuff. Everything was going good, but then we felt God leading us to move and to become youth pastors full-time. And if you don't know, that's a little bit of a pay cut. And, um, and, and then just not being able to be here for her, uh, her sister's kids and all the things, you know, just things just seemed like it didn't make sense at the time. But God knew that he needed, there was a group of young teenagers there. And this little country church in North Louisiana was almost like a different country. It was so far out in North Louisiana. It was like, but God knew what he was doing because he knew that these young people needed a voice in their life at that moment in their lives. And it didn't make sense on the surface. As a matter of fact, a lot of people said, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're leaving this to go. But you know what? Sometimes it's more important. Obedience is more important than our understanding. And that's not to pat us on the back. We, we struggle. We wrestled with it. Believe me. But God blesses obedience. And, uh, you know, in Genesis chapter 12, there's an example of this. God speaks to a man named Abram and gives him some pretty crazy instructions. Let's follow along. It says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And then in Hebrews 11, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when, 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 when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. See, I told you, crazy instructions. Crazy number one, get up and go, and then I'll show you where you're going. That's like God telling us, hey, pack up everything, get out on I-10 and start driving. Just go, and then I'll tell you where you're going to stop. That'd be tough. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, do I, do I start heading east, try to make it to Florida, sunny Florida, or, you know, am I afraid maybe God's going to stop me in Roll Tide country, and then my kids will grow up thinking they got to marry their sister and all this stuff. It's like, I'm kidding. If you're from, if you're from Alabama, I'm just joking. Anyway, no, do we do that? Or do I head west, try to maybe Texas Hill Country? That's nice. Or, does you know, ah, maybe God makes me go all the way to California. We got all these hippy-dippy twig eaters. I don't know. It's like, that'd be tough. But he's like, just get up and go, and then I'll tell you. That, that was, that's obedience there. So here's Abram. He's 75 years old. This is all he's ever known, right? And, but he obeys God anyway. 
And he, he trusts that God's going to lead him whenever God tells him to just up and move and just start all over. And then in chapter 17, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, from exalted father, which was already kind of, uh, you know, a, a misnomer because he's not even a father. And then he changes it to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. Okay, crazy number two, a great nation, multitudes. It's like by this time, he's even older and still has no offspring. I'm talking like wrinkled up, shriveled up old. Abraham's old at this point. But again, he believes God and obeys his instructions. Besides one little snafu, we'll call him Ishmael, and that's another sermon for another day. But besides that, he obeys and God gives him a son. He's 100 years old when God gives him Isaac, when Isaac is born. I don't know, anybody want to try that? 100, have a son. Son grows up to be a teenager and everything's cool. And then one day, God does something even crazier, right? So crazy number three, he tells Abraham to go up the mountain and sacrifice his son on an altar. If this was me, I'd be like, hold, hold, hold up, hold up, wait, okay, wait, time out, God, time out. We're finally on the right track here. You gave me a son. He's supposed to be the one to fulfill this promise you gave me that, you know, way back when I was just regular old. And, and now I'm like, I don't know how old I done lost track. And, and you're telling me you want me to sacrifice him? I don't get it. Right. And the Bible doesn't tell us what Abraham said. It just says he got up the next day and he went up the mountain. And we know the story. He builds an altar. He puts Isaac on it, and then he picks up the knife, right? And then the angel says, wait, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. And then Abraham looks up. There's a ram caught in the bushes, and he takes it, and he sacrifices it, and they go back down the mountain. So we know what happens. Let's, let's pick up here in Genesis chapter 22 and what happens next. It says this in verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of, your, of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations on earth will be blessed. Excuse me. All because you have obeyed me. So we started with the question, why is obedience so important? Excuse me. And number one is because obedience, true obedience changes me. You know, obedience changes me. And we saw it here where Abram became Abraham. He was changed. You know, God may not change my legal name which is good because I like Sean better than Shahan or whatever. But he changes our name. But he may not change my real name, but he changes who I am, right? My character, my reputation, my identity, I become more like him. Listen, Abraham came down from the mountain. He came down from the same mountain that he went up to sacrifice Isaac. But Abraham did not come down from the mountain the same. I'm going to say that again. Abraham came down from the same mountain that he went up to sacrifice Isaac, but Abraham did not come down from that mountain the same. And probably neither did Isaac. He's probably like, okay, Dad, no, it's all good. 
I got this today. You go sit down. I'll cut the roast. Just give me the knife. It's all good. You know, Isaac was probably a little bit gun shy at that point. But no, they weren't the same, right? They weren't the same. Obedience changes me. Obedience changes me. But also, number two, obedience changes my situation. Obedience changes my situation. Obedience moves God on my behalf. When I obey, God takes notice. He takes notice. He gets personally involved in my situation, whether it's physical, whether it's something spiritual, emotional, financial, whatever it is. God takes notice when I'm obedient and he steps in to work on my behalf, whether it's relationship, whatever it is, he steps in. You know, he reveals his will to us. He gives us clear direction when we need it. He gets involved. My obedience is God's open door to work in my life. I'm going to say that again. My obedience is God's open door to work in my life. You know, the scripture talks about don't give a foothold to the devil. Well, we do need to give a foothold to God. Let him take a step in, and we do that by our obedience. Okay? So it gives him an open door. And then the third one is obedience changes my world. Obedience changes me. Obedience changes my situation, and obedience changes my world. One true act of obedience can change history. You know, Abraham's obedience opened up the way for the nation of Israel to be born, through which the Messiah would come, the Savior of the people of Israel, right? That one, that one act of obedience, and the whole nation was born. And then 1,800 years later, after Abraham, another man's obedience would change the world again. His name was Ananias. We read about him whenever um, Saul, you know, Ananias was a believer who lived in Damascus, and there's Saul on his way to persecute the church there. He's on his way to persecute the Christians there in Damascus, and God sends Ananias to go pray for Saul and lay his hands on him after Saul had his, his moment with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he's blinded, and he's, he's, he's groping around, and, and he's there waiting in Damascus. God tells him, there's somebody coming that's going to pray for you. And he sends Ananias, who's a Christian, to go lay hands on Paul and to pray for him. And I'm sure Ananias is freaking out because he's heard about Paul, who was Saul at the moment. Before it was Paul, you know, before Paul was a great missionary who, and a church planner who wrote the majority of the New Testament and, and, and reached so many people with the good news of Jesus before he did that, including the non-Jewish outsiders, who, you know, paving the way for us to know God personally. Paul did that. He, he, he spread the good news to all of, not just the Jews, but also all the non-Jewish. And that's where we fall in and where he made that way for us to know God personally. Before Paul did that, he was Saul, who was the greatest earthly enemy of the early church. He arrested and took part in the killing of Christians in Jerusalem and around the area. And he was on his way to Damascus to do the same. And he had the authority and the backing, the full backing of the, of the Jewish leaders. And before he did that, one man risked everything. One man, Ananias, risked everything, even when it didn't make sense. Even when it could have cost him his reputation. Even when it could have cost him the approval or acceptance of his family or friends. Even when it could have cost him his freedom. He could have been arrested even when it could have possibly cost him his very life if he was wrong. 
His one act of obedience changed history because we know what Paul meant. He, like I said, he, he changed. He turned the world upside down. We have the majority of the New Testament because of him. It's amazing, Paul's life. And because this one man was obedient, changed history. So we said obedience is the first key to living a blessed life. But there's another key that goes hand in hand with it that I want to bring to you today. And that key is connection. And I'm not talking about a Sunday morning only kind of connection. I'm talking about a constant, always on kind of connection. It's kind of like dial-up versus high-speed fiber. Okay? Some of y'all old enough to remember dialing up to AOL, right? You click, and then you go run some errands. Walk the dog, take out the trash, make you a snack, and then you come back and it's about finished. So bing, 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 you've got mail. And it's like you're finally online. But you're not constantly online. You were you had to dial up and then you had to hurry up and do what you had to do and get off because it costs and you're tying up the phone line and you know, yeah, it was different. These young people looking at us like they're like I'm crazy. Yeah, that's how it was. But God wants us to have an always on kind of connection with him. But how do we do that? You know, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament about when King David decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the capital city of Jerusalem. You know, there was a problem along the way bringing this Ark of the Covenant. And no, it wasn't Nazis, you guys who watch too many movies. But there was a problem along the way. And David decided to leave the Ark at the house of the man named Obed-Edom who lived nearby. And let's look in chapter 6 of 2 Samuel about what happened when David left the ark there. It says, The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David was a little jealous. He went there and he's like, I'm getting that. He went there and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, to Jerusalem with a great celebration. You know, in Old Testament times, the God's power and presence followed the ark and rested upon it. But today, God's presence is among his people. That's why uh, Matthew started his first book and first chapter of the New Testament with, Emmanuel, God is with us. It's different now. And thank God it is. And, you know, God's presence is among his people and his blessing follows his presence. His blessing follows his presence. Obed-Edom experienced this firsthand. And we can experience it too. You know, uh, the trick is we have to make room for God. We have to make room for, like Obed-Edom did. I'm sure that when that ark showed up, he went, he moved, he cleared out some stuff, right? He had to go make a place and he had to make a, he was like, ah, no, let's put it in the best place of the house here. Let's make some room. Let's move. We don't need this. That's, that's just extra. That's clutter. That's, let's move this out. This, this is not as important. I'm sure he found plenty of things that were not as important, easily found plenty of things that were not as important as the ark of God that was placed in his home, right? And God promises to be close to those who make room for him. God promises to, to be close to those who make room for him. It says in his word, God says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. 
He says, if you seek me, you will find me. He says, if you seek me with your whole heart, then I'll be found by you. You know, connecting with God sets us up for success spiritually. Um, When we make room for God in our home and in our life and in our family on a daily basis and not just on Sundays, we stay connected. Just like that always on connection I was talking about, we stay connected to him and his his blessings begin to flow. You know, what happens when there's too much stuff and we need to fit something new in our in our house, right? Something something has to go. Right, we get that new sectional, and we go, and we like we got to bring it in. Guess what? The old tattered couch has to be moved out. That old love seat has to go, right? And we have to move. We got to make room. We got to get rid of some of the clutter. And you know that's what this fast that we're in is about. It's not just about going on a diet. It's about making room for God. It's about taking some of the less important stuff. Some of the older stuff that's maybe just been kind of hanging around a while and that maybe needs to kind of go out into the storage or out to the road or to the goodwill. And we need to do that. We need to get rid of some of the less important stuff and make room for God. And that's what it's about. And, you know, not just this fast, but every day. It shouldn't just end with the fast. We should always make room for God in our life. We should always have that always on constant connection with God. You know, if we do, we will experience his presence and his blessings. In his presence, there's peace. In his presence, there's favor. In his presence, there's joy. In his presence, there's freedom. There's strength. There's everything we need can be found in God's presence. So where do we start? Surrender is the first step to obedience. Surrender is the first step. When we surrender our will to his, our desires will start to change. You know, instead of trying to live right so that God will walk and talk with us, we find that when we walk and talk with him on the regular, we begin to live right. Isn't that funny how that works? Obedience is more a way of living than it is an act of doing. And it gets easier the closer we get to God. His Holy Spirit helps us become more aware of those moments when we need His patience, when we need to practice obedience, when we need to experience Him on that firsthand level. So the Holy Spirit will help us. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So instead of trying harder, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to do his thing, he'll begin to change us from the inside out. It's not about just trying harder to be better. That's not this whole thing about obedience is not me harping on us saying, oh, yeah, you just need to to buckle down and try harder and. And be a better person. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let the Holy Spirit work in us. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does to change us from the inside out. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 is an awesome verse that says, 
For God is working in you. He's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's putting it in you. He's placing that desire in you. He's placing that ability in you. It's him. So when Jesus says in John chapter 14, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He's not saying, if you don't obey me, you don't love me. It's not what he's saying. I like how the Passion Translation clarifies this. It says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. It starts with loving God and the obedience follows. He's saying, if you take steps to get closer to me, you won't have to worry about trying to sin less. Because it's just going to happen as a natural result of our relationship. It starts with surrender. It starts with us deciding, you know what? I'm going to lay my will down. I'm going to lay myself down, my self-interest, my do what makes you happy philosophy down. I'm going to lay all that aside and say, God, I want more of you. God, I want to be close to you. I want to love you more. I want that connection, that always on constant connection. That's where it starts. And when, and when we do that, the blessings of the Lord will follow. It's just, it's, it's part of his promise. It, he can't help himself. He's going to pour his blessings on us. But the blessings may not be wads of Benjamins. The blessings are going to be that peace that we need. It's going to be that favor that we need, that joy, that strength in the middle of that tough situation that you're walking through. Starts with surrender. Heavenly Father, this morning.